0: This is episode number 190, How to Be an Adult, with Eli Lebowitz. Welcome, my name is Oleg Gloheed and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to not only better understand ourselves, but also those that are walking next to us. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today. The last thing that I would like to mention is if you have liked any of the previous episodes and continue to enjoy the content that we put out there, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Ellie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being a part of it. And thank you for actually correcting me on how to pronounce your name to begin with. (laughs) Speaking of adulthood, that's one of those things that I'm still yet to get it right on the first try. And maybe there's something to be learned from that, right? And that's the, I suppose the learning never stops.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the name Ellie is is the (laughs) Hebrew equivalent of Eli, but and you would be right to say, Eli, but I just had to be adult <laughs> It wouldn't be uh, Jewish enough of me if I didn't say, actually, this is the right
0: way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, before we start, I want to welcome two people here. Jaris is one, and it looks like we have Nancy, and we have a couple other people that are tuning in right now to join us for this conversation around this topic of how to be an adult. And so I'm hoping that um, <laughs> we'll be able to find our own personal answers to what that journey looks like, considering that we're both are adults, or at least we may think that we are um, in, <laughs> in most situations. But I'm really curious to hear kind of from your own perspective, when you first even approached that topic to begin with, and that is adulthood, what did that mean for you? Like, what did you, you know, were you scared? Where there's certain things they're like, okay, I I don't really know what this is to begin with. So I'm just gonna go with it as it presents.
1: I would say I still don't consider myself an adult. And I have (laughs) I'm married and I have two children. So the fact that like I, I was really thinking about it. If like I said, if there was like a news article about me, it would say like. Thirty-one year old man, and I was like, "When did that happen?" It, like, it wouldn't say guy who still eats tricks at his desk. Like, I, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, I just don't know how. So, I mean, I do think there is something to be said about the, you know, you, you don't, you don't. Know, was it you don't get old because you stop playing? You stop playing because I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I, I the George Bernard Shaw quote about about you know, kind of turning into adulthood and becoming an adult. I mean, I also don't know if it's a negative association that we have with adulthood, but mm-hmm. I, I know that, I mean, as a comedian, I very much try to always look at the humorous angle of something. So even the most annoying, you know, adult task, I don't know, going to the DMV, doing your taxes, some colonoscopy. Thank God I haven't had that. Yet <laughs> yet, but just I feel like everything has the ability to be potential material. And so why not? I you know I, I still I still don't know what that means to be to be an adult. You know, it's like, does it does it mean to like pay your bills? Like, you know, uh-huh. what I mean, it's like a vague term. I think we have this like fake image in our head of what an adult looks like, uh-huh. and I don't think anything can ever really come up to that because it's like a it's different for everybody.
0: You brought up significantly better examples than what I was going to use, because prior to our episode, I put together a brief poll for, um, I kind of tried to spin it around the joke, and that is, what is your um, favorite memory from your childhood? But I I didn't do it in regard to quote-unquote actual favorite memories, but more so in relationship to adulthood. So I listed paying my bills, getting up early for work, um, trying to find matching socks but the things that you brought up, you know, (laughs) going for checkups, things like that, those are probably a lot more appropriate things as far as the different things that we actually encounter. Yeah, I feel
1: like adulthood is a lot about errands and like doing Mm -hmm. annoying stuff that like, I think John Mulaney says this in like one of his recent specials about how like just the worst is when you would go to like the most boring store with your parents and just like being so annoyed or like i think seinfeld talks about going to the bank with his mom and just like lying on the floor just being <laughs> annoyed. i think i feel like the different biggest difference though between adulthood and kid and being a kid is there's uh-huh. some time that i remember because as a kid for me having recess let's say in uh-huh. elementary school i had recess 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the afternoon and in those 15 minutes we played like three innings of baseball, and I have no idea how a kid was able to get hurt, go to the school nurse slash secretary whatever, come back in to the game, get hurt again, and we'd still <laughs> get another inning, and in all in fifteen minutes, and we'd ask the teacher for like five minutes of extra recess, and he would say no, mm-hmm. and it, it's crazy. And so like adulthood, if you had fifteen more minutes of life, like you know, that you were given, what would you do other than like waiting for Candy Crush lives?
0: I don't know. Like, (laughs) What do you find is the biggest difference between, especially in your profession, trying to make adults laugh compared to kids? Is it easier one compared to the other or is it, I'm assuming it's completely different experiences.
1: Yeah, I mean, people ask me if I, you know, it's like, is your is your material for kids or adults? And I, I you know, unfortunately, I don't have the skills of a Pixar movie, so I can't do that. <laughs> Um At this point, it's it's usually the easiest people to make laugh are the people in my kind of same like chapter of life. So you know, people mm-hmm. in their twenties and thirties, or like newly married, or you know, um, just kind of going through the same things because we just don't remember what we're going through like, you know, I'll do shows at college campuses, not anymore, but remember back in the day when we did things, Uh, (laughs) you know, I would do shows at college campuses and I would would just feel like my references being dated or something like that. And and like, and and you just, you know, you don't realize getting, you know, getting old. So I think, you know, doing, I've done shows. I did a show this summer for like a camp staff of a camp for like, I don't know, seventh or eighth, seventh and eighth graders, which is like what, 13, 14 year old. Mm-hmm. all these jokes about like trying to be sarcastic and be like guys i'm just so happy to be outside like i don't care if this is going well as long as this isn't over zoom this is amazing and these kids are just like staring blankly and i'm being like what what do you-? i was like you guys don't appreciate life right now like <laughs> so I, they, they just weren't getting it. i mean also you know kids and teenagers are just like very like blunt mm-hmm. with what they'll tell you so they'll just say you know uh, you do this for real, like for a living? And are like, yeah, I try. <laughs> I try. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like it's all like, like kids also have mm-hmm. the same bluntness that bluntness that like older people have.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: um, they also like, I mean, kids are like, w- like very tough to like, just sit back and be like, all hey, right, make me laugh, clown. And older people won't like really laugh out loud. They'll kind of just smile and nod. And then mm-hmm. afterwards, you know, I'll know if the show went well and they'll be like, oh, that was really funny. I'll be like, really? Because you weren't laughing. And I'm like, well, I was thinking it. So mm. um, I would say adults adults have a little bit, or, or have the peer pressure to laugh. Uh, you know, have the peer pressure of like, is this, am I allowed to laugh at this? And we'll check with other people. That's why mm. like clubs are so based off of, you know, close distance and everything. And kids will kind of just, if they think something's funny, they'll laugh. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, adults, uh, adults are definitely easier for me to make laugh at this point.
0: Well, I remember my most recent experience going to a comedy club here in Austin. So there, there's, um, I forgot the name of it. That's how long it's been by the time that <laughs> I've been to one. But I remember going there and for the first time I actually went, it took me a little while <coughs> to get into it. And I don't know why it happens that way. And maybe that's something that you can explain, but I know that for me it took personally 10 to maybe even 15 minutes to break the first laugh and I don't know if there was like a level of discomfort or not knowing you know what who the person was or the the material that they were presenting but then I just remember 10 or 15 minutes and just completely like losing it you know not being able not to laugh like laughing the re- the uh, the remainder 45 minutes to an hour straight and I have w- always been curious like when it comes to comedy Why does it happen like that for many people that I know of that the first couple minutes you just, even if you try to laugh, it's very difficult
1: well it probably takes 15 minutes for the alcohol to kick in so no (laughs) there you go (laughs) the way general comedy clubs are designed is that they have you know an mc kind of do crowd work and kind of Mm -hmm. just loosen up the crowd a little bit do like the warm-up for about 10 minutes and then you have the first comedian so that could be that i mean it's also that you're just like i need to like get comfortable Mm-hmm. you need to be comfortable and get out of your own head, stop thinking about whatever's going on. And that's an element of it. Um, and I, I think it, it, it's a matter of war- warming up. I mean, that's, you know, any TV show, live TV show audience, again, I'm speaking pre-COVID, so I don't know what the rules are anymore of anything. But any live TV show, you know, they have a warm-up comedian before mm-hmm. cameras role to get everyone to just be like, hey, you know, this is going to suck if, nobody's laughing let's get you warmed up and get loosened up and kind of you know take you know let's let's get it out there Uh um and uh again i i often perform for jewish audiences which is uh, very much it, Jews like like I said Jews like something more than laughing and that's correcting people. So, <laughs> and, uh, so I had my first experience today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly, exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, right. The first ten or fifteen minutes for uh, you know a regular comedy club for a Jewish audience it's like another half hour or an hour and then they'll be like, all right. Like I'll, I'll be doing sets and I'll hear somebody say 25 minutes. And that was funny. Unlike the first, you know, 20 mm-hmm. minutes so this mm-hmm. I is breaking the ice and getting, getting you comfortable um, into a mode where you kind of want to laugh, even if you're in this setting that you should be.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you ever bomb on stage?
1: Oh, did I? Uh, you, I tell you, I've bombed, you've not quite bombed like a zoom show where you get removed from the <laughs> show during, I, I do so badly this summer. I, I barely got through it. I, I like said to my wife, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this again. Like I literally got removed from the show. That was how badly it was going. But yeah, every comedian, I mean, that's one of the good things is that you, even if you do bomb, every comedian has these stories of going, going terribly. And I mean, the good thing is that if you do it enough, you know, you can kind of do it like an experiment and say, I've been doing this for so many times. And this this joke should work. And if you don't laugh, it's you or it's, you know, or it's the setting, but like, yeah, everybody bombs. And uh, some you get over and some you're just like, oh God, that was such a terrible night. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, but bombing. How do, you,
0: how do you justify that? So I know that you briefly just mentioned kind of, you know, if you use one joke across multiple, shows and yeah. let's say 90 99% of the people laugh and then you go into a completely new arena and no one laughs then it sounds like you kind of just go okay that this is on you, not on me type of thing but <laughs> with new material how do you do it and how do you what what if you pull out new material and then mm-hmm. completely bombs but you also have to understand that okay this is new stuff right one venue you know i'm not going to let this experience define the kind of my sense of comedy moving forward.
1: Right. Well, new material, you have to try out, you know, a bunch of times, I don't know, at least four or five times. And he, and, and every comedian will say, you got to listen to record what you, you said of what, of what you did and hear it and maybe change some wording and try it a different way. And then, you know, you try it a bunch of times and then if it doesn't work, maybe, you know, figure it out. I mean, what, but what a lot of comedians will do is if they have the stuff they know works and they're like hey let me try this new joke and then you kind of put it in the middle of stuff that you, knows, knows, you know knows that you know works and then you're like okay is this going to go and then maybe that'll help you figure it out but like yeah from a you know if you're doing a new a new room or something like that you don't want to start out brand new with a new joke or else like cuz well you have a ten, 10 seconds or apparently for you 10 minutes to make a first impression so <laughs> you want to start out well and then if you have to try out a new joke you, you kind of throw it in there somewhere where you know it's safely you know or safer to land and then you have to try it a few times or re, you know re, reword it if you can if you can
0: who do you practice your jokes on besides the club
1: i used to say my wife but <laughs> that's a very different like i would say to my like do you think this she's what you might usually my first line of defense like do you mm-hmm. think funny and she'll be like, I'm watching Gilmore Girls. Like I, I don't care. Like so <laughs> you know it's it, captive uh, audience. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean people and people always say to my wife afterwards if like I'm doing a show and she's there and she's like, like oh does she does he make you laugh all the time and she says I think he used to. No, it's you know it's one of those things also like if you're you know my my thought is like I'm writing this down. I think like she'll also hear the first version, the first draft of a joke before it's even, you know, kind of worked on and and trying to reword it. But usually it'll be her. I'll try, you know, back in the day when we would have, uh, you know, Shabbat Friday night meals before people didn't exist in social circles anymore. Um, That would be a good time to do it. I, I try a lot on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, um, just to throw it out there. And, and that it's actually a really good gauge. It's funny because I always assume people just use Facebook and Twitter for that reason. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so people are like looking for a ride. I'm just like, this isn't funny at all. Like, so I'll I'll still be trying out jokes on social media. And that's usually a pretty successful thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, or podcasts that uh, I'm talking to, <laughs> talk to people. That's a good way. That's-
0: that's really interesting. I actually didn't even think about it until recently how social media can be such a big platform for literally just testing certain things, throwing out ideas and getting <coughs> however many perspectives you can get on it. It, it really talk about this concept of um, you know creating something from absolute scratch or with minimal resources. I think that's one of the maybe hidden things that social media does offer is the ability to do that at any given time.
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, I a, I just thought of this just now, but I, I think that may be why Trump tweets all the time because he's just thrown out ideas and be like, hey, what does the world think of this? And they're like, no, 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 or like, all right, fine, fine. <laughs> he doesn't say a bad idea. <laughs> uh, or, or, or he Or he thinks this is his diary and he doesn't realize that it's a public thing. Um, yeah. But uh, no, no, it's really a great tool to, to find out if this works and if something works on social media, often you can get it to work in stand up. Some jokes are better written than in person, but yeah, that's a good, good way to try something out and say, Hey, is this something? Um, And uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely very useful for comedians.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, there's one, one thing that I found very interesting that I think is a common thread between public speakers and comedians people just, that choose to create content (coughs) to begin with. And that is for however long I believe that there was a limited number of content, or or amount of content, I that I I really had to go out there and find the things but in reality, what I've learned over time (coughs) is that content is everywhere. I mean, even going through one day, that's 1000s of possible ideas. And I'm wondering, if you've experienced a similar thing kind of from your lens, when you write a lot of the comedy and that is, do you find yourself in in maybe struggling as the, I don't know, right or the word, whichever way you want to look at it, but do you find it challenging in creating a lot of the content, especially when it comes to like, for example, this theme, the topic that we chose today, that's adulthood, or is it relatively easy to do so because well, a, you're an adult, and most likely, if you do the things during the day, then you know there's a likelihood that other people do the same thing, like go to the bathroom after they wake up, or right. you know, like whatever, <laughs> whatever the things that we do that are hysterical to look at. If you look at each individual event, like, have you had a similar ex- experience?
1: Um, partially, like, I mean, I think that from a you know human standpoint and a you know relative relatable standpoint. Um, people have the same experience, and that, and that really is, you know, your internal sense of humor. I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I went through this experience, probably someone else did. If I'm, you know, if I'm, you know, having, you know, some joke about my kids or parenting or, or you know, being married, probably someone else has has this thing. So, um, you know, that's definitely a shared thing. Um, in terms of generating material it's it's a little it's very tough I mean I you know the Seinfeld approach is like just write an hour every day and just like write whatever is on the paper and not most of it's not gonna be funny but you know eventually <laughs> <you're> gonna... <laughs> and that's, that's just the way they say to do it and but from a you know sometimes I just see something and I'm just like there is a joke here and I don't know what it is and I have to like write it in Mm -hmm. my phone and play with it and rework it. Um, Twitter is a good tool because you have the character limit. So you have to kind of concisely say what you want Mm -hmm. in the form um, and that kind of uses it, uh, helps you do that. But uh, yeah, generating material isn't necessarily easy, but in terms of like adulthood, for example, like the good thing about being a comedian is that every bad experience, like I said, any bad experience you've been through, can be potential material Mm. so i would say this to anybody who's you know if you're having trouble dating or you know you you know your job you know bad experience like there you know it's enough if you write about it even if you're not doing comedy but cathartically you write something down and make jokes about it it will it, it it turns every bad experience into something like you know what I mean? Like I, I, I actually, you know, I, I had COVID in March, and I thank God I recovered. You know, like relatively quickly in two weeks. But like, I was writing jokes. Like I said, you know, <laughs> I lost my sense of smell, and my wife said, "Yeah, I know you need to take a shower." Like, you know, so, you know, it, but every every experience, even this past, you know, seven months of whatever our universe is, I have, you know, ten minutes of material now about COVID and about. You know, doing shows over Zoom and not seeing people in person. Mm-hmm. So, uh, any experience is is adaptable for material. Um, but yeah, you just gotta, you know, try to really write some stuff idea, ideas down of what when you think of them.
0: Do you find it challenging to kind of preserve your own sense of humor, like whatever you think is funny? compared to whatever sells or whatever makes other others laugh? Like, is there, is that, is that an ongoing challenge? And if not, like, how do you, you know, do you, do you find yourself in, um, you get what I'm trying to say? Like compromising on certain jokes that you internally are just laughing uncontrollably. But once you say it, people look at you, it's like, you know, what's wrong with this guy type of thing.
1: Well, well, I mean, the truth is my material is very, very niche the most part, anyway, because I'm, I mean, I'm an Orthodox Jew, so already, you know, I'm I do very clean material. I, I say that even, you know, even if I told a dirty joke, it really wouldn't be believable if I was, like, <laughs> you yeah. know, I was hooking up with this one woman. You'd be like, no, you weren't. Uh, or, you know, when I or I say like, you know, comedians are usually very dirty more than me, especially. So when I'm going to a comedy club, comedians will say things that I can't really connect with so well. I get up on stage yeah. and be like, you know, when you're at a strip club in Vegas, I'd be like. No, um, <laughs> I need mean, a comedian who will say something I can actually relate to. You know, I need a comedian will get up on stage and be like, you know, how when you're peeing and you sneeze and your yarmulke falls in the toilet? I'll be like, yes, I totally do. That's where <laughs> it happens. So, you know, I have I have my very specific you know kind of humor that I do that I know works for me that that is part of my identity and my brand and and it's for my, my I mean it's, it's very much connected to my Judaism and, and all that because. Um, I think, I I think also it's a unique point of view because I think there isn't a great representation of Orthodox Judaism in the media. I didn't even mean from the last two weeks, but, uh, I mean, in general, I think it's people have a very wrong and, um, biased and kind of, uh, Pro, uh, thought about, you know, what an Orthodox Jew is. So to mm-hmm. be able to kind of have a conversation about comedy and say, oh, by the way, I also pray three times a day and I don't eat, you know, many <laughs> things on the menu. Like, I think that's a very unique perspective. And I think you have an important story to tell. From I mean, every comedian will tell you, you need to find your what's your thing to the world? Why are you unique? What's your story? So mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't really feel the pressure. I mean, yeah, people say, okay, you're not dirty enough. I'm like, well, again, if I told a dirty joke, it wouldn't really be great. Cause you don't want, like, I'm just not, I'm not good at cursing and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be believable. Like I, I, and I mean that. So, you know, I'm not going to give into peer pressure and say, Hey, this is what people like. I'm going to say, all right, well, I'm not going to, you have to convincingly really do that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> And so I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell jokes that I think are funny and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, you know, I I've ha- thankfully build an audience that way so far, but hopefully I'll keep you know building on something and just being, you know, relatable and to myself, I'm not going to like, you know, change who I am just because, you know, everyone's like, Oh yeah, you should really talk about this stuff now. I'm like, nah.
0: yeah. Did you ever find yourself trying to be like someone else? For example, using the cursing, but then just realize that, okay, it's, this really is, isn't my style or it's not working out?
1: Not not really, no, because I, it's just not a part of who I am in terms of... Cursing is a good example because that's a classic thing that most comedians do. And it's not like, you know, it's a certain taboo for some people. I don't necessarily have a taboo with it, but I also... It's just not a part of who I am. I don't really curse in my regular life, so I'm not going to like... All of a sudden, like, and also, like, in general, like, like I, I keep bringing up Seinfeld, but, you know, he mm-hmm. said, that, like, he would try out jokes, and he, like, had a curse in there, curse word in there, and then if he took it out, it wasn't as funny, and he's like, oh, that, that's kind of, like, cheating, so um, I, I I, don't think I would really try to do different styles to say, hey, let me do this more, I definitely could improve my persona and try to, like, change things up a little bit and, and have more of a performance element rather than you know telling jokes a certain way but i'm mm-hmm. not going to i i am not going to you know tr- play with it too much at this point um, because it just i've developed who i am as a comedian
0: why do you think the cursing works or it appears to work so well
1: a lot of it is shock even if like cursing is pretty normal nowadays it's still like shocking because it's not something like like at, at, i don't know I, I would say at work you don't you're not you're not supposed to do this, or with an email at work you're not supposed to like there's still this like taboo element there so that's that's a good portion of the work um it also it conveys really well uh uh an emotion and an attitude like if you say the f word it really said hey this guy cares a lot (laughs) of that sandwich or like whatever, Mm -hmm. like stupid. Um, So it's, it's really, uh, it really gets a point across in a very, you know, very comedy. You want to talk about the economy of words and and really kind of the shortest possible way to get somewhere. So if you can say the F word and that'll really like convey, Hey, you must feel this way about that. Or you're upset about that. That tells you that in a second. So that, that also, you know, does it. And it's also just a tension release thing. Like, like I said, the fact that you're not, you're not supposed to swear or curse, or whatever, according to society is a thing. The fact that you are, it's like, oh, that's, that's so he's breaking the rules a little bit. It's uh, there's that tension there too.
0: Mm-hmm. I've been curious about that for a while. Cause I remember first time I watched, I think it was Bill Burr. And in, in that special, I mean, I don't even know how many, curse words yeah. or just different examples and it got me very curious as far as well why is it those are the things that kind of make you laugh or even in those situations where you know it's quote unquote not funny but then you you hear the curse word and it almost gives you permission to step into it and I think part of what you just mentioned as far as breaking the rules probably has some degree or play, plays some of, somewhat of an element <laughs> in that
1: yeah I mean I think Um, there are certain comedians that I'm not saying that they need it to curse, but it's just, it's a part of who they are, which again, like me not cursing is part of who I am. So Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, Mitch Hedberg, you know uh, you know, if you hear these comedians and you try to like get rid of the cursing from them, it's just not going to be as good. Mm. And it's, but, well, like, the reason it works for Bill Burr is because Bill Burr's, you know, persona is this guy ranting. Or mm-hmm. Louis Black, Black, for example, also. You know, mm-hmm. their characters are people that are ranting about a topic. Well, you know, the – the it's, it's like when you would watch – I would watch the show 24 – and you're like, if this wasn't on Fox, he would be using the f word so many times. <laughs> like just like the amount of Jaguars, damn it! Like that wouldn't happen in real life. He would, he would say that. But like, so for Bill Burr, like you, if you really like, he's this angry or this vocal about something, yeah, of course he's going to use the f word, and that's okay because that's exactly who he is, and that's what you expect. So it's not necessarily because of it, but it does kind of enhance it. Um, but more because it, it conveys his anger more clearly like that's what I was saying it, it 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 tells you right away he is this angry about it and it's funny to be some, to see somebody so angry about something you know so trivial or whatever
0: do you find it when it comes to comedy so one thing I've been wondering is kind of this concept of podcast and this is a question that i think Many people ask, um, especially when it comes to re- starting one, and that is I guess there is this trend that most of the podcasts don't make it past episode five, like five or six. Like that's when mo- like a good portion of people stop. I don't know what the number is exactly, but <clears throat> that's what I've heard from multiple people who have the shows. In comedy, having listened and having learned from some of the other experiences, um, Joe Rogan, for example, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, it seems that in each one of their journeys, it took 10, 15, 20 years to build it to, you know, maybe this point or a point before that. Do you find it's more of a long-term game when it comes to comedy? Like, is it, or is it just like any other career, any other journey? And it takes, takes its own time, takes its own practice to get to that point.
1: No, I mean, I think just to get good at anything, you need the amount of time to put in. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, I, I think your ten, fifteen years is an early is an early shot of how long. Oh, really? Saying your da- Dave Chappelle, I think started doing it when he was fifteen years old. He's probably I think he's in his fifties now,
0: or mm-hmm. 30,
1: he's definitely in his forties. So he's been doing it at least twenty-five, probably thirty years. Um, any, and I'll, I'll tell you, anybody that you see in a sitcom mm-hmm. so as a, that was a comedian probably was doing it at least 15 years or ten years at least Ray Romano before Ray, Ray Romano ended up doing one one like a uh, uh, David Letterman you know uh, stand-up thing on, on David Letterman show and then he had, happened to like get a TV deal shortly after that but to get on to Letterman before that in nineteen ninety, whatever three or 94, 95, whatever, mm-hmm. he was doing it probably at least 10, 15 years just to get it there. Seinfeld, Seinfeld started wasn't on the Tonight Show; was on the Tonight Show four years in. He didn't start his show till eight years after that.
0: Wow! So
1: just the level of of time of just and and, and every comedian will tell you, and and I, I've been doing it about 10 years pretty much and not even as consistently as everybody else. And I'm, I, nobody knows who the hell I am. So like, you know, it's, if you're like actually a a person who's known, means you've been doing it 20, 25 years. I mean, you know, and it's just a matter of putting in your hours and putting in your time on stage to get to this point where you can just be great at it.
0: Personally speaking from your own experience, do you find one form of comedy more difficult than the other? Form meaning what? Like, yes. like a sitcom compared to, um, you know, doing comedy as a group or doing it on your own.
1: So, do I find find it funnier, or do I? Find you, it do funny?
0: you find one more difficult than the other?
1: I mean, I don't have the experience of doing much more than up. I. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've never been on, I've never been on a show and I've done kind of very amateur improv games, but no, no real like long form improv like that. So they're, they're all different types of things. Um, I think stand-up for itself has its own challenge because it's like, really, you're on your own mm-hmm. you know, completely. It's, you know, a daunting task when, you know, I remember starting out, people are just like, Oh, you have half. It's like, I got to do 30 minutes. And to anyone that's not, you know, a stand-up or hasn't done it for a while, it's like, wow, 30 minutes. <laughs> like, that's a long time. That could be a really long time or that can be, you know, nothing. Yeah. So, uh, but like to be able to like, to say, okay, I have to get up there and make these people laugh. And if they don't laugh, then like, it's my, you know, my responsibility. So I mean, that's really the only experience I have in that form of comedy, but they're all they're all different, you know, writing, sketch, improv, they're all kind of different types of things.
0: Do you find yourself in that situation where let's say you do get on stage and you have thirty, forty five minutes or an hour and just no laugh whatsoever? Fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes in, like how do you how do you how would you keep going? I mean personally well, speaking, I would probably get off the stage at that point. Um yeah, Has there ever become that point?
1: But it is a job, mm-hmm. and you are hopefully being paid. If you're doing that much time, you're being mm-hmm. paid usually by someone. So if you're at a comedy club, you're doing you know 45 minutes with a headliner, 45 minutes is not going well, you're getting paid, and that's the you know, that's that's your what's pushing you through. I mean, again, we you mentioned Bill Burr, Bill mm-hmm. Burr probably the thing that got him viral, I think. Mm-hmm was he was doing a show in Philadelphia and he, they were just not having it. And he kind of just powered through, just making fun of them. He said, all right, we got 17 minutes left. <laughs> 17 minutes left. Watching him. Watching him, him destroying this crowd and he just doesn't care. And it's not go- like he probably was like, Oh, that was brutal. That ended up making his career in terms of viral, you know, getting him to the next level. So people would become more of a household name, but but yeah, there are times you're just going to not, it's not going to go well, like for the reasons we mentioned. You mm-hmm. know, it's not, It you know, I, I did a show in a live show outdoors in uh, August, I think, or September, September, I think last month, and it was just not going well. But I'm just like, all right, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting 500 bucks at the end of this or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, you're getting, if you're getting whatever amount of money you're getting, like, okay, this is, you know, this is what I'm getting and I'm going to, you know, it's not going well, but, and also if it's not going well, maybe you'll have one joke that goes well or Mm -hmm. experience, or it goes so badly that you're like, I'm going to take this and use it later. Mm. That will be, this is going to suck now, but this is going to be amazing. When I tell the story that this is going to be what I went through, you know, later, like, um. yeah, so that's that's a real thing. But, like, also, like well, – but like I said, the odds thing. Like, if you're doing these jokes and I'm like, this mm-hmm. works X percent of the time and it's not working now, you know, you know, Aaron Rodgers – I don't know if you're a football person, but, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, apparently just in the Packers game, they, they apparently didn't do very well. But he's no, having, he was having a great season and they just lost. I don't think – you know, it, do, it doesn't go well once. You're not going to be like, well <laughs> – give up at halftime you know you put power through it sucks and tomorrow you live to fight another day mm-hmm. but and you're right early on in your career it's really hard to get through that because you don't have the the enough good times that yeah. like okay the ratio isn't so bad but sometimes for myself if I'm like still at this point if I'm like oh I've had 10 good shows in a row I'm due for a loss like <laughs> the real feeling I'll have. Um, and you just, you know, it, it just could be the setting. It could be you were off that night and, uh, or it could be just the crowd was a bunch of older people who, you know, were like this the whole time. So. You know.
0: <laughs> I think that's a really interesting point. And the other thing I'll kind of add on to it is maybe when you start off, at least from my experience, it's also the lack of perspective. It, it, I mean, I didn't understand it through the lens that you just <laughs> shared your experience. And that is, there's always, at least my experience has been, there's always an element within each one of the, whether it's speaking engagements or opportunities to present that you can take away. You know, this one, you like the way the PowerPoint worked, right? Try and repeat that. Um, certain, certain content, certain stories. So I, I think maybe, and this is, I think is also a perfect example when it comes to, adulthood is instead of trying to complete the whole masterpiece at once maybe the focus is just on one piece one piece of that puzzle and then from there just keep picking it up and you know keep putting it together
1: yeah there there is something that you can learn from every set every comedy set you do good or bad you can learn something whether you change it or it's not going well or it's not going well you said hey let me throw a joke out that i don't have care about and maybe that'll go well and you're like hey the <laughs> whole 45 minutes was terrible but that one joke worked and that makes it you know you know, yeah like you said for and that's a good philosophy for life that everything you go through mm-hmm. day in and day out especially these days when days run together and you have no idea what day or month it is um, you know right now we're, we're, me and my wife are working on you know potty training our three year old or almost three year old and it's like you know, uh, you thought, but I thought 20 was stressful for, uh, I got another thing for you. Um, but yeah, it's like, okay, yesterday it didn't go well, you know, this many accidents, whatever, but today he did, he did much better. And, uh, you know, what did we learn differently from it? And, and, you know, something from that, for example, like, you know, potty training, you're supposed to do all about positive, Thing. You say, hey, you're doing a great job, wait to way to stay dry and not you know, have an accident, you know, keep positive. And I'm like thinking to myself, this is a really good idea for parenting in general, about instead of saying to myself, Hey, you're not doing this, like say, Hey, you're such like reword the way I'm gonna say, you know, tell him to do something for mm-hmm. everything. So yeah, that's how apply to regular, life, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Ellie, what's the best way that people can get in touch with you? Do you have anything that's coming up? As far as any virtual experiences that people can be a part of,
1: um, not necessarily. I'm. I mean, I, my my website is eli.comedy.com. E L I comedy.com. I'm mm-hmm. on uh, Twitter at Ellie Leibowitz, E L I L E B O W I C Z. That's why my website is Ellie Comedy because Lebowitz is impossible to spell. <laughs> uh and uh facebook at ellie Leibowitz, uh, i i'm doing a lot of private zoom shows honestly um so if you uh know if anybody's you know looking for clean material you know I, i do a lot of synagogue jewish shows but i'd be happy to get into the uh you know i would say the i don't know the Maybe the church space—I don't know. People, I'm sure I have—I know a lot of biblical, Old Testament biblical stories that, that can work for the church. <laughs> uh, yeah, but also like, uh, being married and having parenting. But yeah, um, that's a lot of my stuff. But yeah, follow me. I post a lot about Twitter, but a lot of a lot of Jewish stuff. So you may need to go to Hebrew school to get some of it. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll make sure to include all the different links and different ways that people can get in touch with you and learn more about your story and the different things that you you've done and continue to do just in case there might be some interest from some. Sounds good. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our podcast so you can receive all of the latest content as well as all of the upcoming episodes. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google, so more people can hear these inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you next week.